Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? You guys hear me okay? I see some Eagles jerseys out there and you never quite know what you're going to see. <laughs> but it's good to be with you guys. Let me pray and then we'll jump in this morning to uh, Numbers chapter 10. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We pray that you would bring um, revelation and application um, to us as we look into your word. We pray for each one that's on this call that um, each one would just... Um, leave with something that you have implanted in their hearts this morning so father we worship you we praise you and we just commit this time to you in jesus name amen okay let's jump in and turn us up right here so let me uh read through numbers 10 first and then we'll jump into this so numbers 10 um title the silver trumpets the Lord said to Moses, make two trumpets of hammered silver and use them for calling the community together and for having the camp set out. When both are sounded, the whole community is to, is to assemble before you at the entrance to the tent of meeting. If only one is sounded, the leaders, the heads of the clans of Israel are to assemble before you. So notice already we have a bit of a system uh, formulating here. When a trumpet blast is sounded, the tribes camping on the east are to set out. At the sounding of a second blast, the camps on the south are to set out. The blast will be the signal for setting out. Together, the assembly blow the trumpets, but not with a single signal for setting out. The sons of Aaron, the priests, are to blow the, the trumpets. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you and the generations to come. When you go into battle in your own land against an enemy who is oppressing you, sound a blast on the trumpets. Then you will be remembered by the Lord your God and rescued from your enemies. Also, at your times of rejoicing, your appointed festivals and new moon feast, you are to sound the trumpets of your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, and they will be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. Okay, uh, moving on to verse 11, the Israelites leave Sinai. On the 20th day of the second month of the second year, uh, notice it's been two years already, the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle of the covenant law. Then the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai and traveled from place to place until the cloud came to rest in the desert of Paran. They set out this first time at the Lord's command through Moses. The divisions of the camp of Judah went first under their standard. 
Um, there's a bunch of names now that I'm probably going to torture or butcher. Um, Nashon, son of Aminadab, was in command. Uh, Nathaniel, son of Zuar, was of the division of the tribe of Issachar. And Eliab, son of Helon, was of the division of the tribe of Zebulon. Then the tabernacle was taken down and the Goshenites and Merorites who carried it set out. The divisions of the camp of Reuben went next under their standard. Um, Eliza, son of Shadur, was in command. Um, Shelemiel, son of that guy, Zuri Shaddai, was of the division of the tribe of Simeon. And Elias, Saf, son of Duel was over the division of the tribe of Gad. Then the Kohathites set out carrying the holy things. The tabernacle was to be set up before they arrived. So again, notice how very organized they are. The divisions of the camp of Ephraim went next under their standard. Elishama, son of um, Amahud, was in command. Gamaliel, son of Pedazir, was over the division of the tribe of Manasseh. And Abadan, son of Gideoni, was of the division of the tribe of Benjamin. Finally, as the rear guard for all the units, the divisions of the camp of Dan set out under their standard. Ahiza, son of um, Amishadai, was in command. Bagil, son of Okran, was over the division of the tribe of Asher. And Ahira, son of Enan, was over the division of the tribe of Naphtali. Wow. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't use a lot of these names today. This was the order of march for the Israelite divisions as they set out. Now Moses said to Hobab, the son of um, Reuel the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place uh, about which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well. For the Lord has promised good things to Israel. He answered, no, I will not go. I'm going back to my own land and my own people. But Moses said, please do not leave us. You know where we should camp in the wilderness and you can be our eyes. If you come with us, it will share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us. And we'll come back to this in a little bit. So they set out from the mountain of the Lord and traveled for three days. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them during those three days to find them a place to rest. The cloud of the Lord was over them by day, and they set out from the camp. Whenever the Ark set out, Moses said, Rise up, Lord. May your enemies be scattered. May your foes flee before you. Whenever it came to rest, he said, Return, Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. All right. <laughs> There's quite a bit there. And uh, it is amazing when you look at this like this, uh, what the Lord begins to highlight. So there's a lot of richness here. Let me just pull up my notes here. Here we go. Okay. All right. Okay, so if we look at the first few verses, around verse 2, he says, make two trumpets of hammered silver and use them for calling the community together and for having the camp set out. Um, another verse, another translation says, 
you shall use them for calling the congregation and directing the movement of the camps. So these trumpets, as you can see throughout, are a, a tool that is used uh, for assembly, for celebration. He talks about, you know, when you have your festivals, um, use these trumpets to announce. So if we think about some of the other very intentional things, um, you know, there is that phrase that people use, when the trumpet shall sound, when Christ shall return. And so it's just a reminder of the future redemption that's coming when Jesus comes again as well, right? So the trumpets were useful tools for the journey. Without them, it would be difficult to assemble the nation and march towards Canaan. So we see how God is helping them create these systems and structure as they are about to begin this journey. So a little bit of application here. Um, before we can obey God, we must give him our attention, right? Now, the trumpets were used to get the attention of the people of Israel. You know, are we turning our attention to God and how do we do that? Now, how do we get the attention of God's people? Because part of this was assembling with people. And how do we direct others to pay attention to God? And honestly, this might be one of the hardest things to do, right? Because it's all about our testimony, our story. How, how are we living our lives? Are we living our lives in a way that points people towards God or away from God? So, you know, I was a little challenged by that. Um, that first part to go, you know, is my story telling God's story, right? Is my story... Um, something that I'm confident in, you know, are you ready to share your story? And so just think about that as we are reminded that we must give our attention to God, but we must also draw those around us, draw their attention to God. Okay. Doing okay so far? All right, good. Okay. Um, so numbers. Uh, in 10, verses 3 to 10, there's this whole system of blowing trumpets, you know, that describes when and the how behind that. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit ahead to verse 11. Okay. So verse, around verse 11, they start talking about the march on Canaan begins. Now, this is the first time that Israel marched as an organized, prepared nation, right? So they've been going through this process for almost two years where God is going, you know, in Numbers, I think it was Numbers 3, 2 and 3, where he said, well, this is how you lay the camp out. This group's in front, um, the ox in the middle, and this group's at the back. And so this organization and preparation has been taking place. So this is not the same group that escaped Egypt as a, a frantic mob, right? So when they left Egypt, everything was frantic. It was crazy. But this is not that group. This is a group that has now become organized. Okay. So 
they had been fully prepared to walk as people who are going towards a promised land, right? They were all focused. And so numbers one through four, so chapters one through four, they become ordered and organized. Uh, numbers five, they become cleansed and purified. So notice they've been going through this process. Uh, number six, they become set apart and blessed. Okay. Uh, numbers three, number seven and eight, they learned how to give and how to function as priests. So there's this, these functions that have been put in place. And so numbers nine, you know, they were made to remember that they had been spared judgment and they had been delivered and deliverance had been brought to them. And so here we are, numbers 10, and that God's presence as a guide and the tools needed to lead their people. So they've gone through this whole system and process of getting ready. Um, numbers, let me go to verse, that was verse 13. Okay. So let me just go back to verse 13 here. They set out this time at the Lord's command through Moses, and then it goes through all those divisions. And so God is with them. And so I wrote down here as a little application, you know, we too have the Holy Spirit as a guide, right? God has done everything for us and created, created these systems and processes for us that we can walk in his way. So are we really leveraging what God has given us? Are we allowing God to lead us? You know, maybe this is a good, um, good moment to review you know, how do we hear from God? And so Moses was hearing from God and sharing with the people, right? Does he still do that today? Yes, he does talk to us, right? It gives us direction. And how does he do that? So there's a couple of things that, you know, we should really know how do we hear from God and know how to filter. So one is, of course, through his word, right? Reading his word, reading God's word. Um, through prayer and seeking him, right? These are all things and systems that God has created for us. And then, of course, um, you know, this, we'll get to it in a little bit, but the idea of having wise counsel around you, right? Having the right people um, on the journey with you. You know, sometimes, you know, we talk about this concept of double confirmation. I'll read something, I'll sense that God is telling me something, but then I need to talk to my trusted counsel, right? And, and see if somebody else is confirming what God is saying to me. So I just thought it was a good time to review, how do we really hear from God? How do we know what he wants us to do? Okay, so Numbers 10, 14 through 28 now begins. This is the description of the march. And let me just get myself to the right. I have like three devices in front of me. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna briefly go over this section. So the standard of the camp of Judah was set out first. So um, they marched according to the, the order God had commanded earlier. And this means that they took God's word seriously, right? They followed exactly um, just as those who received God's promises should. So 
God tells them and they obey and they follow his instructions, um, just like all of us should. Um, then it says, then the tabernacle was taken down. Now, um, after it was built at the foot of Mount Sinai, this was the first time the tabernacle was taken apart and transported. So all as God had commanded, with each family of the Levites taking their appointed role in that. Um, so when they began their journey, so we, we have to recognize that this is really only the beginning of a very long journey, right? There were many more challenges ahead for them. Um, up to this point, you know, we have a level of obedience, right? That God says, do this, do it this way, and they've been doing it. But we have to remember that after this, there's about 30, 80 years of wandering, right? So there's a total of 40 years, and there's about two years have gone by, and there's 38 years to come. And we know the story, right? Because we've read it. And you know, Moses is at this point where the people are, they're, they're still remembering where they just came out of, but a generation's going to go by. And many of these men, are not going to be the ones that are going to enter Canaan, right? These are not going to be the ones that are going to enter the promised land because a lot of them will die in the wilderness because of their um, a generation of unbelief. So what do we learn from this? Well, number one, <laughs> do we listen to what God says and do it, right? Because there's structure and purpose behind it um do we trust in him or do we struggle with unbelief and we know that it takes faith what is what is faith right now hebrews 11 1 says faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see now moses knew like, he probably didn't know how long they were going to be um, in the desert but he knew that there were going to be struggles ahead of them he knew that they were going to be um, tough times and so all of these things leading up was preparation for what was to come now Moses had faith in God the people at this point were still obedient to God but we know, but we know as the story goes along there's a lot of tough times ahead of them and the question is you know are we willing to have that confidence and that hope for an assurance about what we do not see, because that's what the journey is, right? It's a journey that we can't see, but we have that faith and hope. Um, okay, so is our journey going to be 38 years of struggle? You know, are, are we going to make those hard decisions early to avoid, you know, going on an unnecessary journey? I don't know about you, but I don't really want to spend 38 years uh, wandering about, <laughs> you know, making camping places. I don't want to be because of my rebelliousness or because of my disobedience. And so I think this, this part of Numbers 10 is a reminder that God does have a plan. Uh, we can't always see that plan. Uh, that plan might seem strange or um you know why why god would you ask me to do that 
and sometimes this is that step of faith we have to take. But sometimes maybe there's something in us that God wants wants to work out of us. And I often tell people, you know, it's not so much about where we're going, it's how we get there, right? And there's so many things we can learn in the journey. And that is part of the journey, right? There's always going to be things that God wants to show us along the way. But I think there's also things that we can avoid if we just put our trust in God and make some good decisions early on. But God is a God of grace and wisdom, and um, he allows us to go through those things. But I think we should also be looking at ourselves and going, you know, what rebelliousness is in me? What is that in me that you want to get out of me that's going to make this journey easier? So there's a lot to be learned here. So the application is, you know, do we have faith? Um, that God is in the journey. What things is God trying to teach us early on that we don't have to struggle with later on? Because there always is. And um, am I willing to go on the journey? Because it's through that jersey that God's going to show up and that God's going to define our story. All right, how are we doing so far? Everyone okay? All right, I'm going to jump over to the next section. All right, yeah, it's okay, we're still okay. So numbers 29 to 32. So this is where Moses appeals to um, Obab, if I said his name correctly. You just go over there. Uh, with, who is Moses' father-in-law? So he says, come with us and we will treat you well. And what does Hobab say? <laughs> he starts, he says, let me start with a no. All right, I'm not gonna go with you guys. I'm gonna go back to where I came from. And um, it doesn't say a whole lot about, you know, when and where they got together and, and how this kind of came together. But, he, but he's obviously someone who is from the Midian area, so he knows uh, the surroundings. And so M Moses' Moses's initial appeal came from a place of selfishness, right? He's like, come with us and we will treat you well. Now, Moses was wise enough to know his limitations and to know that he needed help. And I think that's the first thing we can take away from this. Do we know our limitations and do we know when we need help, right? It's not necessarily, it could be anything, but God is putting people around us uh, for a reason, for a purpose, right? Uh, Moses knew um, God's help often comes through men like his brother-in-law, um, his in-law, Hoban. Now, did God need this guy? Not necessarily. But God uses people like that along the journey. So although Israel was guided by God, there was still help needed by man, right? Uh, men like Hobab. God, God plans it this way, often arranging his help to come um, in part through people that he has ordained to help us. So I'm going to keep going for a little bit. Um, 
So they didn't need Hobart to tell them where to go. You know, they had the pillar of fire or the, the cloud and the fire. Um, Hobab's knowledge and experience was helpful in finding water, uh, potentially food, fuel, um, knowing about places, you know, where they should go in March. So there was a benefit to having this guy there because of his knowledge of the area. Now, just coming back to, all right, so who, who is journeying with us, right? Who is, uh, who are the people that God is putting around us? Who are the hobabs that know something or can see something that we can't see, right? Because we can only see what we can see. And then there's things that we are blind to. You know, everybody has blind spots. Um, the Bible talks about, you know, uh, we are many parts that make up the body, right? So they are people that God is calling to be a part of your journey. And are you recognizing who they are? Are you inviting them into your journey? Uh, let me just see. Okay. So I'll come back to the who in a second. But verse 31 says, please do not leave. Since Moses knew God could use Hobab in a significant way, he was willing to appeal to him. So his first ask was of a selfish place, and his second appeal was successful, which appealed um, to the, the help that he could provide them. So let me get to the application here. Okay, so application is so who do you who do we need to bring around us right um who is it that God is saying hey this is a good person to walk walk alongside with and I guess the one way to do this is to get in a group right it's in groups that we have community that we have those people around us you know iron sharpens iron so who is joining with you now <laughs> is two sides to this coin, right? So there's people that are journeying with you that are useful, that are providing wisdom, that are that are like iron sharpening iron, but there could also be people that shouldn't be journeying with you, right? So the question is, do you have the right people journeying with you? Or are there some people that you need to create some distance from? I don't know, but both things could be true, right? So how do we know we have the right people um, joining with us? So it's not, not too hard to figure out, right? Um, do they have a testimony? Are they sharing the good things and the struggles that God is doing? You know, are they transparent? You know, Is there something of value to be gained with them? Are they challenging us? Are they people that uh, seek God first, right? Are they willing to be real? life isn't always easy so that's the kind of people you want around you um people that are sucking the life out of you maybe that's not the people you need to spend all your time and energy with right um i think there's a purpose to everyone there's a testimony there's a challenging you know there's a um, intention maybe there's some testimony we have to share with some people but those are probably not the people, I, I, I like to call them EGRs, extra grace required people, right? So they are, 
they are probably not the people that I'm going to use to give me wise counsel, right? But there's people like the Hobabs that I'm going to seek wise counsel from. Right? So those are people that you want to do life with. Um, all right, we're almost at the end here. So who, who is with you? Who is on the journey with you? All right, the last section here, numbers 33 to 36. Um, he says... Um, Rise up, O Lord, and wait, let me just read this properly. Uh, um, the cloud of the Lord was over them by day, and when they set out from the camp, whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Rise up, Lord, may your enemies be scattered, may your foes flee before you. Um, so as they begin their journey to the promised land, you know, they're guided by God's presence and not their own sense of direction, right? So they are clearly following God. They are following the cloud, you know, matter, no matter where God is taking them. Um, if they were going to camp in a rough place, they did it, right? Because they were told to um, depart from a comfortable place, and they did it. So Egypt was comfortable, even though they were slaves. Um, they allowed themselves to be guided by God, and not by their own wisdom or desires or comfort at ease. So it talks about the three-day journey um, to Paran, and they traveled about 15 miles a day. So it's about 45 miles in those three days. Um, and that second part, it says, rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered. And this was the prayer of Moses when the presence of God led them forward. So the idea is simple. You know, if God goes before us, you take care of our enemies. Um, you know, life's hard, things are tough. And I think this is a fitting prayer for every believer, right? To pray that God goes ahead of us. Um, okay, and then the last part of that, um, let's see if I don't have much time left. Okay. So the significance of um, let your enemies be scattered is this, right? So it's a reminder that when Jesus rose from the dead, all of his enemies were scattered. You know, no one could oppose him and our victory is found um, in the risen glory of Jesus Christ, right? So let us just remember that our enemies have been scattered, that sin has been defeated and that death itself was defeated by what Jesus did on the cross, right? So sometimes it's tough to go on this journey, but if we remember like Moses did, you know, that Jesus has scattered our enemies, I think we can have confidence in that, we can walk in that. And um, the last part of this verse says, um, Whenever it came to rest, he said, return, Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. And basically he's saying, stay with us, right? And I think this is a prayer that you and I need to remember that, say, hey, Lord, stay with me. And we should not neglect coming to God and saying, hey, be with us. God wants to stay with us. 
but usually it's us that are not staying with him, right? It's us that's going off. So what are the things, so this is my last little application, what are the things that allow, that we allow ourselves to be distracted by? You know, how are we drawing nearer to him? How are we celebrating this last part? And how are we staying with the Lord as he's staying with us? So it is 6.31. I hope this has been a little helpful to you. Um, how's everyone doing? Everyone okay? Okay. So if there's something that you have found useful, feel free to drop it in the chat. And uh, so we can share that with each other. I'm going to pray and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And uh, Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for creating systems and structure, Father, for allowing us to, um, to have your word that instructs us, that leads us, that gives us wisdom and guidance. Father, we thank you that um, you have done the work for us, Father, that you are with us, that you journey with us. And so, Father, I pray today that we would um, recognize the things that are distracting us, that we would recognize the things that are growing us. Father, we also pray for wisdom in the people that you surround us with. Who are the people that are journeying with us? Who are the people that give life, Father? And who are the people that we should be giving life to? Father, we're grateful that you have scattered our enemies, that the victory is won that the victory has been won uh, through Jesus, through his death and resurrection. And so, Father, we, we um, rejoice in that. We celebrate that. Father, we thank you uh, for the journey that you've brought each one on. We pray that you would bless them this day and the rest of this week. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.